Hello, 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 and welcome to this week's episode of Passion Project, the podcast about passionate people and the things that drive them. I'm your host, Taylor Reed. Welcome to another Friday episode, you guys. We are on episode 67. Hope you guys are doing well on this Friday or whenever you're listening to this. Maybe it's five years from now. Hope you guys are still kicking, still doing good, and, um, you know, staying happy and safe and all the, you know, best things we can in these current, modern, wonderful, crazy times. Um... Guys, this week's episode is just such a special one. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. But if you are just tuning in with us, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Passion Head community. Hope you guys um, continue on on this journey with me, um, listening to people's stories about what they're passionate about as well. If you are just tuning in with us, follow us on social media, listening to us on iTunes, leave us a star rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you guys there. Also, if you want or have any questions for me or any of our guests, or if you have, if you want to suggest a guest for the show or want to be on the show, email, reach out to us at passionprojectpod.org at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you guys. All of that in the show notes below, as well as our social media as well. Guys, this week on Passion Project, like I said, we have such a special guest, and what also makes this episode so special, episode 67, it is, we were able to do it in person, you guys, one of our first, since um, the last episode with my sister, episode 50, but one of the first ones we've been able to do since starting this um, in person, and so it was so fun, we had such a great time recording this, I hope it shows, um, I guess I should say who it is without you know um it's lauren thomas you guys lauren thomas uh as uh you guys will hear um we are concluding our mental health advocacy and awareness month Uh, lauren thomas is uh a a licensed professional counselor a newly licensed professional counselor so you get to hear all about that journey and what that was like for her hear all about um her upbringing being the oldest of three but also we get to uh, discuss what it's like to process trauma as um, recording this we were uh, recording this near the anniversary of 9-11 but also going through um, kind of this collective trauma of even COVID uh, as well so can't wait for you guys to hear that so without further ado here is episode 67 with Lauren Thomas of Passion Project. We can get into it because I don't want to take up too much of your time. Yeah, I'm, I'm just so excited to be here. She, Lauren you. has a free afternoon here. <laughs> she cleared her schedule. Uh, Lauren Thomas, I don't know if I know your middle name. Oh, my middle name is Lee. If you want to expose it to the, yeah. to the whole world. Yeah, so I'm Lauren Lee Thomas. L-L-T. L-L-T, yeah. But my middle name, it's spelled L-E-A, not L-E-E. So that throws people off at times. Yeah, just so you guys know, if you're... you're wondering of all the Lauren Thomases in the world there's quite a few thousand yeah, on Facebook yeah. so that's Lauren Thomas 57 right <laughs> got a number at birth yeah um for those listening that don't know this is the first in-person recording I've done besides like family and stuff we were kind of talking about it before but that I've done in like over a year which is 
crazy to think about. Um, so thank you for being here and taking the time. And yeah, I'm so excited to be here and to be doing this in person too. Yeah, yeah. it's so it's like just a different vibe. I, I I I'm glad the with technology we can do a lot of things mm-hmm. that we were not able to do. I mean, I mean, we were able to do it before, but I think people are just so much more comfortable with it now yeah. that. Um, so if there's anything good to come out of the pandemic, it's maybe we're a little bit more comfortable with video chatting. Um, but yeah, doing it in person is so much fun and you have this different energy. So um, I'm excited to get into it. This has really been a long time coming. Like we've been talking about this for months, <laughs> months, months. Yeah. months. Yeah, probably. I mean, so for people that don't know, Lauren and I work together. We work at the same counseling practice um, and she's a little bit more advanced than I am um she is a recently new licensed professional Mm -hmm. counselor which is so exciting um so we'll talk maybe uh, talk about that experience and what that was like definitely a process yeah oh yeah it's I I think that that is too something that I feel like people don't Mm -hmm. know like people know like medical school or law Mm -hmm. school or all those things are difficult but I I I don't know if people know as much about what it means to become a counselor. I mean, I didn't when I started in the process. You know, I wish I kind of had known what it looked like. I don't think it would have changed anything for me. But just to be maybe a little bit more prepared (laughs) about all the steps. It's like, oh, I have to do that too. Okay. Oh, it takes this amount of time? (laughs) Right. Oh, I won't be getting paid during (laughs) that. Right. (laughs) How many hours? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, There's lots of things, you know. But we encourage, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're interested in it, you know, go seek out those people to try and figure out, you know, Mm -hmm. what it's like. Um, So you know it's the right fit for you. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. I'm really excited Mm -hmm. because she is newer to the field. I mean, even talking to people that have been in the mental health field for a long time, that it's changed so much. Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like even the way we talk about it has changed so much in the last 20 years, like even 10 years. I don't know how you feel, but no, I I very much agree. And I find myself feeling very fortunate for where I am Mm kind of in the zeitgeist of mental health right now because of how much more accessible it is, how much research has happened and is happening and a lot of new directions that are coming too. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't want to dwell on this too much, but even with COVID, like Mm -hmm. how much it's going to affect you know, kids, but also everyone in the next 20 years, how much mental health will, will change and how much it will, you know, we'll probably see a whole slew of people trying to figure out (laughs) their mental health. Right. Post COVID (laughs) life. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's kind of crazy. Um, but as everyone knows, you know, listeners know, like listening to the show, I like to start out with Mm -hmm. the basics and, and where you come from I mean we're friends so I know a lot about but I also don't know a lot I mean I've talked about on this show like meeting people when you're an adult like Mm -hmm. you don't learn like even in college I don't know if you found too Mm -hmm. like you meet friends and it's you you really just like talk about what you're going through now you're Mm -hmm. not like tell me your whole life story like tell me your your childhood (laughs) like all these things so anyway this has been a fun opportunity when you meet people um in adulthood to be like Mm -hmm. tell me tell me all the things but um so yeah, tell me all the things. <laughs> like, where did you? I I know you mostly grew up in Virginia, but yeah. I, is that where you were like born and raised? Or like great questions. Yeah. So um, I my dad was a Marine when I was born. You know, he did yeah. twenty one years Marine Corps. So I was actually born in Georgia in a small oh, town okay. called Albany, mm-hmm. and then we moved around a couple times: California, Germany, back mm-hmm. to California. Um, and then my dad retired. Casual Germany. Oh, casual. Just you know, just slipping, slipping that in, in there. there. <laughs> um, I mean, I was really little at the time. You know. Yeah. 
it was like years you have like one or two memories of Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. very very young um but my dad he retired from the marine corps in um june of uh 2001 and so actually as we're recording this this is the day after the 20th anniversary of Mm 9-11 so you know he was looking for jobs and we did this uh, cross-country road trip in our RV and when we got back from our three-month road trip in our first <laughs> RV um, 9-11 happened and mm. world changed um, the security sector changed so uh, we wanted to stay in California or my parents did but they actually ended up moving to Fairfax Virginia for my mm-hmm. dad to start working at the Pentagon at a yeah. private defense company um, and we've been there kind of ever since so I grew mm. up in Fairfax Virginia from like early elementary school all the way through high school it's the same house my parents have been in for um wow how many years now I guess maybe around 20 years you know 19 years I think um so that's where I go back to from college I went to Mm -hmm. college in Virginia um live in Virginia now uh (laughs) so VA repping yes (laughs) 703 yeah, though yeah, northern virginia that's true we probably have talked about this but i was born mm-hmm. in fairfax so i i remember this vaguely mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm, yeah so yeah. we both kind of have ties to yes, that area ties <laughs> yeah it's i don't remember i mean we moved to mm-hmm. richmond when i was like seven so i don't like really yeah, remember yeah but, so do you rem- were those moves like significant for you or that you don't really remember oh great question um so i mean i don't really remember yeah Albany, Georgia. Um, I did have family in Atlanta, so we would go mm-hmm. back. Um, my dad was born in Savannah, Georgia. So like we would go back to Georgia. So I was told like, oh, this mm-hmm. is this and this is where you're born mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the county hospital and, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. But um, I definitely remember a lot more of California, too, because my mom's from California. So my yeah. mom's one of nine siblings and wow. grew up in San Diego. And so like every Christmas and every other summer or so, we'd go out to San Diego, be with family. Um, it's such a different vibe, too. Like it's different. probably so sig- it's significant, too, in your brain because mm-hmm. it's so different than the, the, the East Coast. East, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And also just so many family memories being layered, mm-hmm. I think, on top, mm-hmm. all the different Christmases. So, yeah. you know, I remember like the kindergarten I went to and, you know, driving by the house. I still remember that. Um, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, Germany was in between some of those times and I was definitely very young. Um, we were in Stuttgart, Germany, and I actually went back um, kind of to that region when I graduated from college mm. for a little while. But just like, you know, I remember like the stairs of the hallway of the mm. military apartment building that yeah. we lived in on yeah. base. Um, but you know, really nothing concrete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Memories are weird. Like yeah. weird sometimes. Like you'll, you look back, especially like when I look back, it's like, is this like a picture that I remember? Mm-hmm. Or is it like actually a memory? Or <laughs> yeah. Right. I think that's a great point. Like how many times are we told these stories of yeah. our lives and see yeah. these photos and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, am I actually remembering this mm-hmm. or hearing this story yeah. that's been yeah. shared with me? That's why eyewitness accounts. I'm always like, hmm, hmm, no. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is it real? Oh, you're good. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated too with some people like, do you ever, when you look back on your time, like being raised in Fairfax and, you know, the Northern Virginia mm-hmm. DC ish area, like, do you ever look back on like, this is the place that raised me? Like, this is the town that like, where I come mm. from, like, do you ever think about that or that's what a really, is that? That's a really great point. So for my family, it was always Virginia is not permanent. You know, Mm -hmm. so I remember growing up like, oh, like we'll be here a couple years, we'll we'll move. Um, so growing up, I was like, oh, like 
this is what we do. We live somewhere for a couple mm-hmm. years and then we move. And so I, looking back though, like my life was lived yeah. in Fairfax, you know, and it, it was the area that raised me. Um, I, I just think of the blend of cultures and communities mm, that come mm. through that area, you know, yeah. and how many opportunities I had that you you don't recognize when you're 12 and 13, you know, mm-hmm. all the free Smithsonian museums yeah. in DC yeah. or the take your daughter to work day was in the Pentagon for me. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and just kind of really getting to know a lot of different people and a lot of different life stories and maybe a way I wouldn't have living anywhere mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. in the country. Yeah, only one of those things I'm sure like you like retrospectively you mm-hmm. look at you're like wow, I'm so grateful for a place that has so many different types of experience like yeah. people that are experiencing so many different things. Like it's not just mm-hmm. one thing. It's like mm-hmm. so many different and and often a lot of people don't get that. Like it's yeah. it's just like they're their one place. Did you did you ever feel like like you did want to get out and like see other like you were, yeah. did you ever feel trapped in that place or? Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of ironic to think about like one of the most populated places and one of the places that like people mm-hmm. come to so much. A lot of the people I went to college with, like after graduation went to Nova, but growing up there, I was like, oh, this is the suburbs <laughs> and I do not want to be in the suburbs. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to move out. I want to go to a big city. Mm-hmm. I want to travel. Um, travel was always big in my family. Mm-hmm. So that just felt natural just to always be moving, mm-hmm. always be exploring. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. What was it like for you? Cause often when I talk to people that families were in the military, mm-hmm. like the number one thing you think of is like moving and like, yeah. but that really wasn't the case for you because you just kind of stayed in one, once you were yeah. like of age to remember, you yeah. like kind of stayed in one place. But do you, was the military, was that like a big presence in your house? Like, do you remember that? Oh like, yeah. I mean, definitely because your dad was in the military, but yeah, that's a great question. So, um, you know, when we were younger, it was, it, I think it had a bigger impact on, mm. on us. You know, my, my dad, he, especially when we were, you know, in Germany and moving back to San Diego, like he, um, was a major in the Marine Corps at mm. that point in time. And he would be gone for great periods of time, you know, different missions in the Middle East or Africa. Um, you know, probably things he can't talk about things. Yeah. Things I don't know a whole lot about for <laughs> sure. But you know, when my brother was like two and a half, um, we were at the airport and he runs up to a guy in uniform saying, daddy, mm. daddy, daddy. And the gentleman was black and my dad is white, but wow. he recognized the uniform and the uniform was daddy. Whoa. So, you know, I have pictures of me wearing my dad's like Marine Corps boots, mm-hmm. you know, around Christmas. And it's definitely, I think was more salient when I was younger than as I got older. Yeah. Um, because for most of my life, my dad was, you know, he worked for the government. You mm-hmm. know, he worked at a defense com- company and worked at the Pentagon. So it was still like military adjacent, but it yeah. wasn't that same sort of, as you mentioned, moving ever so many years, deployments, yeah. the kinds of different stressors you would see in active duty military families. Was it ever something that you thought about, like for yourself wanting to go into the military or no? Um, so <laughs> probably the opposite. Oh, because I yeah. like I knew like. You know, my dad, he, you know, was always like, oh, you need to make your bed or get up at these certain mm-hmm. times. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, now I can't be in the military because I don't want to do yeah. this. So yeah. it was kind of the exact opposite of yeah. watching you know. Cadet Kelly. Did you ever watch? I that? did watch yeah. Cadet Kelly. Yep. I'm like, no, this is not going to no, be my I'm life. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> That's what I, I'm like. You know, once I saw that, I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah, pretty but much. My grandfather's in the Navy. So mm, like, yeah, um, 
yeah, you hear, I always used to say like, I don't know if the military wants me. Like, Oh, <laughs> no, I think that's a great frame. Free frame yeah, right? yeah. Like it's all right. It's good. And like, oh, it's mutual. They can, they can, you know, they can, they can make do. Yeah. I don't, I don't need to be hiking, you know, 13 miles yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, My yeah. dad, oh, the stories he would tell. It was oh, like, no, goodness. I don't need to be in the yeah. desert at 112 degrees. Yeah. In a tent. Nope. No, I'm okay. I think I'm, a, I think I'm a, maybe on a vacation, but even then, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm good. <laughs> Bring your own AC, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, uh, from what I know, you're the oldest, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're, you have two... I have two younger two brothers. Two younger brothers, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's a fun dynamic, I'm sure. Yeah, like yeah. Like, being the oldest and a girl, like, the only, the only girl, girl mm-hmm. and... Like, that's a whole other thing. Like, I have a sister, but she's in the middle, so it's, like, yeah. a, a whole different thing. But what was – I love talking about sibling dynamics, yeah. too, because, I mean, as you know, someone that studied psychology and counseling, like, mm-hmm. it's such a big influence in the way you – even as an adult, like, the way yeah. you function on a day-to-day mm-hmm. or interact with your siblings even now as adults. And mm-hmm. I don't know. What was that like for your experience? Because every – you know, there are these like tropes in each, mm-hmm. you know, wherever you fall. But like, what was that like for you? Yeah, I, th- I think I probably fit a couple of those tropes <laughs> to a T. Um, so I was like the caregiver of my younger mm-hmm. brothers. Like, oh, Lauren, you're setting the example. Like, yeah. you need to be the responsible one. Um, you like know, inwardly, like, like self-induced or both. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, oh, like checking on your brothers, Lauren mm. was like a message. Like I heard a lot or, um, but also like within myself, I'm like, oh, okay. Like you hear enough of those messages growing up mm. and you're like, oh, this is my role. This yeah. is my job. Yeah. Um, even in adulthood, you know, I'm, I, I so, so value the relationship I have with both my brothers, but you know, um, I'm more of the texter. I more reach out yeah. to them, see yeah. how they're doing. Um, and then they reciprocate of course, but, <laughs> um, I think I'm more of like that initiator in a lot mm-hmm. of that relationship being a girl and yeah. being the oldest, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm the youngest mm-hmm. and so I don't, I relate on some things, but I mean, yeah, it's just such a different experience. You just right. like learn like I've said on the show before, like mm-hmm. you learn everything like good or bad from mm-hmm. your older siblings. Mm-hmm. And it was that even conscious, like you, like every like little thing you did, like they no. would be watching. No, or, uh, no? That, n- definitely not when I got older. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe when I was younger, like I didn't have that awareness. But I remember like as I got older, like wanting to be my own person. Like, yeah. oh, like these are my little brothers. But mm-hmm. yeah. like. You know, it's not like we spent a whole lot of time with each other's like mm. friends. Luckily, we were all like two years apart. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we were all so pretty close. Siblings, so. Right. Yeah. 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 So you're close <laughs> enough to like know who their friends are and to like yeah. kind of understand what's going on in their world. But also, you know, just that siblings like, oh, they're getting a cell phone. I had to wait until I was like 14 mm. and get A's mm. and, and now they're getting one. So like, yeah, you know, I was like, OK, like, well, I'm older. I want to kind of do my own thing mm. and kind of find some of that own like independence as you mm. see, you know, in yeah. child development, yeah. um, that those teenagers wanting to find kind of your own thing outside mm. of your family. Mm. Um, mm. which is funny cause now at this point in my life, family means so much to me, you know, it's kind of, that was it hard form. for you as the only girl though, to like be like, this is my own thing or like to find oh. your own thing or interesting, you know, something I probably haven't thought a whole lot about. Like I grew up very tomboyish. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was the only girl on my baseball team in fifth grade. And, you know, I was always like playing with the neighborhood boys. Like we'd Mm -hmm. start, you know, I grew up in a cul-de-sac, so we'd have like football, like 
in the yards and um, it's so funny knowing you now like right I would, I would never think that that's so funny right so I think as I got older you know you want to fit in mm. um and that was very salient to me as someone who maybe didn't innately fit in I was mm-hmm. you know kind of gawky and tall and um you know were you aware of that though like oh I am the only girl on the team or I took that as a point of pride when I was younger oh, okay, I was okay. like you know yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be the first female in the major <laughs> league baseball team breaking gender barriers yeah, yeah, but yeah. then I get older I'm like actually <laughs> you know maybe I want to look into makeup or mm-hmm. clothing mm-hmm. or like yeah kind of make some more solid like gal friends I definitely had a good group of friends growing up yeah um but I think as you get into high school you you get more self-conscious you kind of want to spend a little bit more time figuring out what you looks like Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. you that you want to present fits in with others well I don't I feel like especially in adolescence Mm -hmm. like it's such a big overhang on like it's like a like a weight on you like who am I like what Mm -hmm. am I gonna be what am I gonna like who Mm -hmm. am I gonna be like what do I like what do I not like Mm -hmm. and then as you get older like as you get into your 20s like we're in our 20s -hmm. like it's like it doesn't really matter as much I don't know how you feel but (laughs) yeah like I I feel like there's more of that freedom just to be authentically yourself Mm -hmm. you know and recognizing you know oh other people can be themselves and I can be myself. I yeah. think when you're in adolescence, you spend so much time thinking about other people are thinking of you. You yeah. sometimes can forget what you th- are mm-hmm. thinking about yourself and what yeah. you are thinking about your friends and, mm-hmm. and the kind of people you want to be around and surround yeah. yourself with. Well, not to be self-conscious too about like, maybe I shouldn't like this one thing or mm-hmm. do this one thing mm-hmm. because like, what will people think of me? Mm-hmm. But like, I think I've said this on the show before, but I had a professor in undergrad say like, people don't think about you as much as you think Mm -hmm. they do. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And it's so true. Like I remember like, yeah, I was like, you know, a freshman or something or sophomore in undergrad, like being like, Oh my gosh, like Mm -hmm. ding, like light bulb. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Yeah. That's so true. And it's just something I feel like, you know, middle school, high school, like Mm -hmm. you don't think about that as much. I don't know. I, I also like, don't know how it is. Like we grew up with technology, Mm -hmm. but it's not like how it was like today like it's either very before different. or after yeah you yeah. know I think we were in a very weird transitional yeah. time yeah yeah which is like a whole it, it, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a whole thing it's yeah we were kind of like the guinea pig mm-hmm. generation mm-hmm. of like you know maybe this will be good maybe this will be bad we we'll don't know. see <laughs> <And> yeah <laughs> which is kind of weird to look back on mm-hmm. right like it's kind of strange I don't know yeah it would have been I think so weird for my parents they were older mm-hmm. when they had me my my dad was 37 my mom was 30 mm-hmm. when I was born so like that kind of technology generation gap was yeah. so different I remember growing up and like I wasn't allowed to use YouTube because my dad thought that YouTube was some sort of like scary yeah. thing and yeah. it's like well no we just want to watch cat videos right. like right. in middle right. school and that's all it was at the time right like, right <laughs> like now it's so different like people mm-hmm. get paid for everything now mm-hmm. and it's like and there's like 12 year olds making millions so yeah it's just <laughs> the commercialization of it because yeah. like we didn't know i think what we had at that time it was yeah. like oh well this is just here mm-hmm. i think also being in like middle school you think that the world just is mm-hmm. that oh well i'm born into this and this yeah. is the way the world is and the way yeah. it's been and And so I don't think I recognized how transformative that time was and how much technology technology had like taken off. Yeah. And what that meant for us even moving forward. Yeah. 
Well, even like I, I didn't get a cell phone until I was 17. Mm. So even that, and that's like mm-hmm. kind of rare in mm-hmm. even in our age, in our age people that. I thought I was but, the only person at 14 <laughs> who didn't have one. So yeah, you yeah, beat me even yeah, then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I was, you know, I was homeschooled mm-hmm. and like, I didn't really like my parents didn't really see a need for me to have one because right. I had siblings I mm-hmm. that could drive me. I had, you know, it wasn't like that big of a deal. I just mm-hmm. kind of dealt with it. Um, but it is something like even my wife and I talk about, like, mm-hmm. how will we, how will technology be used in our home? Like with yeah. our children, is that something you even think about? Today? Like, yeah, very much so. Cause yeah. I'm not super like technology heavy, you yeah. know, I, you know, have social media, but it's mixed how often I'm on it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not like that. I need the new phone or new computer, mm-hmm. like cutting mm-hmm. age stuff. Um, don't know how to record or edit a <laughs> podcast. Um, so there's a lot of things, you know, we learn as we go. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things I don't know. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, younger generations are always going to be on the forefront of technology. Yeah. They're yeah. always going to figure out ways around parental controls before parents even know mm-hmm that there's a way to get around them. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, I'm sure it's something you deal with too, with clients oh, and, yeah. and things like that, like even working before now in the school system, like mm-hmm. hearing about, yeah, like parental controls mm-hmm. and things like that. It's like, whoa, that, yeah, I wouldn't even thought of that. But now, yeah. now that I know things like that, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of glad. Like now that yeah. I know, like when I have kids, I'm like, oh, I can use some of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I think one of the benefits, I work with a lot of teenagers. So mm-hmm. I'm like hearing like people are like, yeah. oh, well, my, my, my parents took away all of my social media, but we'll communicate on Pinterest. And it's like, wait, you can communicate on Pinterest? <laughs> like, what? I'm sure there are a lot of things too you take and not like you're like, oh, maybe I'll take this from this parent mm-hmm. of a client that I have, but maybe not this. Like, Right, right. <laughs> definitely a lot of learning um yeah. which which is which is wonderful i yeah, think to be yeah. able to learn in it's community. a good mindset to mm-hmm. to be like you know i like i like learning regardless of what it is like we should always be mm-hmm. learning something new yeah um, in my opinion <laughs> no i would agree and i i think the idea of like being like a lifelong learner yeah. you know that yeah. no matter where you mm-hmm. are in your development in the world in yeah. who you're in relationship with there's always something to be learning yeah well it sounds so simple too like yeah line up but then there you know yeah there are people that don't Mm -hmm. kind of ascribe to that and it's Mm -hmm. like well I don't know you do you I guess right right I mean (laughs) each person's gonna have their own way of doing things and and probably those people who it's like oh well this has been the way I am for Mm -hmm. however many years Mm -hmm. you know there's probably a reason that they are having that sort of mindset as opposed to a growth mindset Mm -hmm. yeah well it's the it's like looking behind that right it's like mm, like why mm-hmm. we're in the field that we are like right. what is the reason behind that even if it is a growth mindset like what mm-hmm. is the reason behind that too right like yeah. which is so hard to be mad at people sometimes because yeah. it's mm-hmm. like oh like i'm well there's so much beyond. that factors into it yeah. like it's mm-hmm. it's um and i think that's again going back to technology that's what technology really doesn't allow or like Mm -hmm. social media is like the thing behind the thing right like what are we looking at behind this like what is the reason behind they're saying this thing or Mm -hmm. whatever the humanness behind the computer yeah yeah something that we'll talk about for generations for forever (laughs) i'm sure Um, well, of course, on this show, we do talk about like, you know, the field that people are mm-hmm. in and why they're passionate about it. Ooh, yeah. New concept episode, you know, whatever. We're on 76 or Whoa, whatever. Passion or project. I know, I know, right? <laughs> people are like, what? What did I tune into? <laughs> um, well, welcome. <laughs> yes, welcome. If it's your first time, you know, we welcome everyone. Um, but 
tell me, like, growing up, did you ever have an idea of, like, what will I do? Like, what is it? Uh, and then I do want to talk about <laughs> yeah. something else, too. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, no, I had no idea I was going to fall into the mental health field. Um, different careers I had thought about was everything from marine biologist to archaeologist to, like I mentioned, first female baseball player in the uh, MLB. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, well, uh, at one time, I wanted to be, yeah. like, a football player. And right. then it's like, people that know me now, it's like, oh, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, there's a really long stint where I wanted to be um, – you know, a journalist covering international ah, news. I a wanted real to Roy Gilmore. Um, kind of more from uh, Blood Diamonds. You know that kind of um, okay. social justice minded yeah, yeah, yeah. journalism yeah. and activism. Well, I w- Rory wanted to be Christian Ampour, who was a journalist in the Middle East. You were giving me all but... sorts of pop culture references <laughs> that I am just not. Listen, in- <laughs> every anyone knows on this show that if we, if I, any chance, I will talk about Gilmore Girls. So bring it on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I I didn't really know, like, I didn't have a lot of experiences with counseling or mental health when I was growing up, Um, but I probably could have had we known more in Mm -hmm. my family and in Mm -hmm. my life. So, growing up, you know, I experienced, like, a lot of nausea, a lot of worry, and looking back now, it's like, oh, ding, 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 anxiety. Um, And, you know, there is some mental health concerns just in, you know, my broader family system. And, and it wasn't until I took a psychology class in high school, actually, it was like an honors psychology class. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. And then I go to college and I'm thinking, oh, like I'll study something like criminology or sociology. I was really into like NCIS, Mm, criminal minds, mm, that sort mm. of stuff. And then I'm taking these courses. I'm in a communications class, sociology class, psychology class. And it just kind of happens to be this really cool blend of stumbling upon the mental health field Mm. as a place to combine social justice, advocacy, um, connection, science, research Mm. Mm -hmm. in a lot of really cool ways that impacts a lot of people. So it it was something I really stumbled into. Yeah, there's a lot of... um different ways like we were saying you can kind of get into the field Mm -hmm. like yeah if you are interested in like crime shows there is a (laughs) facet for that for you um but there's also you know if you just it it, i hear that i heard this a lot in undergrad like i just want to work with people Mm. like yeah if you're a people person you Mm -hmm. like doing it like yes you should but also too like there are people that are introverts in the field and probably more so yeah yeah and that's that that to me that's more it's a very fascinating mm-hmm. i'm like so cuz all we, you know as you know all we do is interact with people on a daily mm-hmm. basis like that's all we do yeah um so i'm sure for those people i wonder if it can be draining for <laughs> yeah for, so a lot of like my peers in graduate school and even a lot of the friends i have now a lot of them are introverts and we actually yeah. talk about that because i'm yeah. very extroverted yes, yes. <laughs> um, I, 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 as I are you yeah. um <laughs> so you get it <laughs> my battery is charging at this moment <laughs> i am fulfilled as yes. we speak um but yeah so like I, I talk with a lot of them about what self-care looks like for them so mm. whereas for me i might get energized in a session with a client yeah. they might have to take some time after a similar session with yeah. someone just yeah. to kind of recharge that social yeah. battery yeah it's one of those things too like again growing up like I just didn't think anything of it but now that I'm older I'm like you know living you know kind of thinking about others in a different way of mm-hmm. like 
oh yeah, like introverts have to, especially because my wife is also kind of an introvert. Mm -hmm. Like she loves spending time by herself too Mm -hmm. and like recharging that way. But for me, it's like, yeah, when I'm with people, I, I will go until I'm not, you know, I'll, until I'm (laughs) asleep basically. (laughs) And I'll be fine. Like if, if seriously, if any night of the week, my wife would be like, Hey, these people are coming over. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd be like, great. That'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, and my, but my wife has to have like, you know, four hours notice and then, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, let me have the itinerary who's coming. Like, (laughs) you know her, like she's very (laughs) Mm -hmm. much like that, which is, which, you know, is wonderful, but it's, um, it's understanding that of other people and mm-hmm. and and learning from it rather than just being like, well, this is how I do it and this is, yeah. And I think yeah. that starts with empathy, yeah. understanding the perspectives yeah. of other people. You know, in the mental health field, I think you really have to start with empathy. Yeah. That really is that foundation. Um, yeah. And I don't know about you, but I think so much of my well of empathy comes from my childhood to kind of connect mm-hmm. it back, you know, having yeah. such caring, kind parents, you know, of course there's struggles in every family, mm-hmm. but you know, my mom was a stay at home mom and yeah. we had snow cones every day in the summer for all <laughs> the neighborhood kids. And, you know, it, there was just like a lot of warmth and a lot of joy. And mm-hmm. I think that opens up humans capacity to want to connect with others yeah. and to want to connect yeah. with empathy. Yeah. I always say it's like, it's the whole kind of to kill a mockingbird mm. of it, like mm-hmm. stepping in someone else's shoes and figuring yeah. out like what it's like to step in their shoes, which is like really what our whole country needs right now. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> a Hello. lot more, um, which we can talk about that for like another three hours. But uh, <laughs> I feel like it's just something on a day to day again with technology and, and social media and all these things that we've lost a little bit mm-hmm. of like, yeah, being more empathetic. But again, like you were saying, like counseling, mental health is a field that kind of automatically allows you to be mm-hmm. more empathetic. I don't know how you feel, but I feel like on a day to day, I'm constantly like, yeah, trying to be more empathetic and learning mm-hmm. to be more empathetic. Yeah, I, I think you you set it up for a good, I think, concept of empathy being a practice and a mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. not a destination. Yeah. yeah, You know, something that you're continually growing in and challenged by, mm-hmm. um, which is really wonderful. And, and I think something I've been humbled by is just how much other people have taught me and how yeah. different clients, coworkers, people I'm interacting with allow me to have a deeper well of empathy mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. be able to share that then with other people I connect with. Yeah. So I'm interested because you talked about how, like, and we've talked about personally, mm-hmm. you know, off mic, off recording. Oh, uh, we how, exist outside of this? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I've heard, I kind of ascribe to this. I heard on another podcast said that life is just a podcast without it actually recording. Oh, I like that. And I'm like, yeah, it's so true. As someone that <laughs> is a podcaster, but also mm-hmm. loves podcasting, I'm like, yeah, it's exactly right. Like, mm-hmm. um, But that, you know, you talked about how, anxiety is something that Mm -hmm. is a you know a struggle or a Mm -hmm. a, you know a thing that you've worked with through counseling I know that you've Mm -hmm. talked about that with me um but I'm wondering like when you kind of you kind of mentioned it like when you started undergrad and you I don't know if that's when you kind of realized oh I have these like this is the name for it of what I've been going through like was that even an interest of like figuring out that and then maybe I want to go into this field or yeah no I I I do think that it was in college that I was able to start putting a name to Mm -hmm. my experience for the longest time it was just like what is going on like Mm -hmm. why is things like why are things so tough like why do I feel so overwhelmed 
Um, and also just like the actual like illness of it. I think that was something I didn't understand. Like why I was physically ill and nauseous and my Mm. body just hurt all of the time. And so it was, you know, going to college and learning all the different things that can impact the human body at a physiological Mm. level. Mm. And, you know, I, I saw mental health treatment. I didn't know what that was supposed to look like, but I started with medication, which Mm. To anyone listening, I highly suggest starting with therapy, talk therapy um, first, just to yeah. see if that can be sufficient. Yeah. But my experience wasn't one of, you know, warmth or understanding. You know, I saw someone, there was a medication prescribed and it was like, okay, so this is supposed to mm. fix this. It's this supposed mm-hmm. to go away and it's yeah. not that automatic. And um, it wasn't until I started learning more and connecting with professors who also did counseling work mm. and got into my own counseling that I'm like, oh, this is what I wish I had yeah. for all these years. Um, and I think that's why I, I really enjoy working, especially with adolescents, mm. being someone that I didn't have, that I yeah. wish I had. You know, that's yeah. probably one of the things like I'm most honored by is that I get to be that person mm. for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's interesting because in any career, it, and I found that, you know, I've talked to a lot of like teachers on the show and for those at home, my dog is coming to Lauren and, <laughs> and loving on her. Um, and I'm loving right back. Yeah. Winnie is the best. <laughs> Shout out to my dog. Winnie. You know, follow me on Instagram if you want to see pictures <laughs> of her. Um, but I've talked to a lot of teachers and a lot of it can be, oh, well, this is what uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to be, you know, the teacher or the counselor, whatever it mm-hmm. is, you know, that I didn't get, mm-hmm. or it's someone inspired me mm-hmm. because they did such a great job. And so now I want to do that. So it's interesting. It can be like this mm-hmm. kind of either or, right. Of yeah. like, which path did you go down? I mean, yeah. it can be a lot of other things too, but it right. is interesting. It, it Sometimes it is like either one of those things. Yeah, no, a yeah. lot of like the, the people that I most look up to in this field that are like peers of mine, you know, we've talked like, you know, it's a very common question. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what brought you to this field? Because unlike maybe some other things, career paths like there's very often a story associated Mm -hmm. with professionals in the mental health field and and that's something I hear a lot is like oh well I went through this and I had this counselor at this age and you know I wanted to be that Mm -hmm. and and I think those stories are so profound and it keeps me motivated because I've had clients tell me like oh I I want to get into the mental health field and it's like wow like I I wonder if I had any sort of role Mm -hmm. in that hopefully Mm -hmm. for the better yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm sure (laughs) yeah but but just to see like how these sorts of therapeutic connections can foster not only change in a person's Mm life but like in their career too Mm, mm, yeah yeah yeah. because so much of our adult life is our career right yeah like which can be daunting but most of our (laughs) awake time is spent at our jobs yes that is sometimes you know especially when I was working at a call center job I don't know why that specifically but it was just because maybe I didn't like it as much or, you know, I spent so much time there sometimes that I would see coworkers there more sometimes than I saw my wife mm-hmm. at home. Like yeah. you see sometimes, so you want it to be, and I always think I've been hearing this more and more that like that saying of like, do what you love and mm-hmm. you'll never have to work a day in your life. I kind of don't like ascribe to that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like, like, the career you choose, like you definitely should love it. Like mm-hmm. it definitely should be something you like wake up and you're excited to do. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean it won't be hard or, right. or difficult or like, you know, there'll be, you know, anything that's worthwhile really is 
can be hard a lot of the time. Right. Like marriage on a day to day. Like I love mm-hmm. being married and I love like doing the day to day, but there are difficult moments like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it can be difficult, but I still think it's worth it and I love right. it. So I don't know. Right. <laughs> There's no. a lot in there. <laughs> no, I, I, but I think those are very good points. You know, this idea that it's, you know, the work you do is going to take up a significant part of your life. And yeah. even when you love it, there's still, it's still work. Yeah. There's, there's still that hardship that might be associated with it. You know, mm-hmm. I know for me, I have no regrets. I'm yeah. so enthralled in the work that I get to do. And I, I, I really view it that way. The work I get to do, because very mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. there's a privilege associated with yeah. having a job that you love and not, yeah. that's not just for survival. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel very grateful for that. Um, but there's still tough days, mm. you know, there's still mm-hmm. days where I'm like, gosh, like, am I really yeah. supposed to be doing this? Like, yeah. Well, and, and then imposter syndrome oh. and like all those things <laughs> yeah. that kind of, um, are, you know, wrapped up in any career, mm-hmm. but yeah, even if it's something that you, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> my dog again, she's perfect. Um, <laughs> that you feel like you're, you know, called to do or meant mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. It can be. Like, why am I here? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. What, a, you know, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I really but, making a difference? Y- yeah, 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 for sure. Well, I'm interested with you now that you're at this place of like being licensed, mm-hmm. having gone through all the, you know, study material mm-hmm. of it, but then also like, you know, anxiety isn't something that just magically goes away. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there are days where it's more prevalent than others mm-hmm. and you've kind of learned to use tools that you've learned from your school. But mm-hmm. also, is it, I, I just wonder because personally for me, like my mm-hmm. experience, I haven't had too many mental health issues, which mm-hmm. I actually am very grateful for. Um, but it's an experience that I haven't really had to go through. But I just wonder as someone that like knows all this information and mm-hmm. knows like the, you know, quote unquote, like right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, what is that like even of like, oh, you know, yeah. thinking about it day to I mean, is it something you think about all the time or is it just when it's like a difficult anxiety time? I don't know if that makes sense. No, that, but, d- that does yeah. make a lot of sense. Um, probably I probably don't have like a yes or no answer or yeah, right or wrong yeah. answer to this. Um, but it definitely can be more prevalent than others. And I, I so think that therapists make the worst clients in therapy we really do because we know all the things yeah you know if it was just about knowing this information then all right then we all just start reading books on mental health and Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. why self-help books just yeah. cure everything yeah. and we don't need well, arguably yeah. some therapists need therapy more than a lot of other people like right? i said there's often a lot of journeys for folks yeah. um that bring yeah. them to this field yeah. um and you know some therapists just like any other profession any other job are better equipped than others yeah, yeah. um so for me personally my mental health in what i do um I have definitely worked very hard to keep it separate from my professional work. You know, Mm, if you're in mm -hmm. a session with me, that's not something you're going to know or feel or experience from my end of things. That's part of, I think, what takes being a a professional mental health Mm, mm -hmm. person um, is being able to have that that differentiation, that kind of compartmentalization of it. but there's definitely a lot of times where I'm at home or like just things are going on in my personal life. And it's like, oh, like I know the things I should be doing. I yeah. should be taking some deep breaths or mm-hmm. meditating or yeah. journaling. And it's like, no, I'm just going to watch Netflix for another two hours. <laughs> yeah. And is this helpful? Probably yeah. not. But, yeah. you know, I'm still a person yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it is something, too, I'm sure even clients are like, 
mm-hmm. maybe have that disassociation of like oh this <laughs> is like they have their own struggles too mm-hmm. like i'm sure because mm-hmm. even sometimes with, like when because i'm in therapy like yeah, mm-hmm. even yeah on it i know the field very well but mm-hmm. like yeah it's this like oh yeah like this person also has their own life and their yeah. own things they go through too. <laughs> right. And things that you should know, you know, yeah. you should yeah. know what the struggles are of your yeah. own therapist. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that I, I do think for myself, at least it allows me to uh, talking about empathy, like to be able to mm. use my own experiences mm-hmm. to connect with others, to know how hard it can be to put into practice the interventions we mm-hmm. talk about for some folks yeah. or, yeah. you know, just how hard change really can be, mm. you know, cause I think it's easy to be like, Oh, well we know this is what works. You just mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. and solid, yeah. Yeah. you know, but when you have like demand avoidance or, you know, that kind of un- paralysis through analysis, like mm-hmm. when they're, you know, you know, cognitive dysfunction, like when there's all these things that can get in the way of you doing what you know needs to be done and then finding self-compassion to not Mm -hmm. turn to guilt or shame. You know, I think that's probably for me, what's been helpful is okay. Well, I know that this is a struggle right now, but let me not lean into those old patterns of guilt and shame, which I think Mm -hmm. also a lot of clients can get trapped in. Yeah. It's another thing too, like, I'm sure you learned about a lot in graduate school of like, you cannot help other people unless you are, mm. you know, mentally sound. Uh, yes. In some Thank sense. You. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and that's true in any helping profession. Mm-hmm. Like even, you know, my wife being in medical school, yeah. like, you cannot help physically someone unless you are mentally sound, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something like they, I remember in undergrad, we had someone like do a guest speaker or something and, like a LPC, a licensed professional mm-hmm. counselor saying like, like if you become a therapist, you need to be in therapy. Mm-hmm. Like it's something you need to, mm-hmm. cause like depending on where you are, the demographic you're working with, whatever, you can hear a lot of heavy things. Mm-hmm. And so like you can take on that, but then also anything you're going through in your personal life, like it's mm-hmm. these two weights. I'm sure that you're, you know, balancing on your shoulders mm-hmm. <laughs> of like, Oh, that you need to process and get out. So, yeah. yeah. And, and also just the fact that it's like, you know, if, if you're going to be a therapist, you're probably someone who believes that therapy works. Yeah. So if you believe yeah. this I'd works, so. then why wouldn't yeah. you seek it yeah. for yourself? Cause you know, whether or not there's a mental illness mm-hmm. or, you know, or crazy life circumstances that are going on different right. hardships, you know, right. if you are of the belief that therapy works then you can also use that for growth to really recognize that any person can benefit from that space. Not everyone right. needs it, but anyone can benefit if they really turn into it and and experience the process fully. I'm really a true believer, and maybe just because I'm in the field, is that mm-hmm. I think anyone can benefit from yep. therapy. If, But I guess it's kind of like you're saying, like mm-hmm. if they're willing to put in the effort mm-hmm. or willing to be there, because it can be, and I'm sure you've experienced mm-hmm. this of, you know, a couple weeks of them not wanting to be there, mm-hmm. not wanting to. And even, you know, when I first started going to, because I didn't really start going to therapy till college. Mm-hmm. And it, there were times, even me studying this of like, oh, I really don't want to go, mm-hmm. really don't want to go. But then when I would go, I would feel like refreshed mm-hmm. and like, you know, sometimes not, but yeah. depending <laughs> on what we were talking about. Right. But um, yeah, so I, I truly think anyone can benefit. But yeah. again, we're in the field. so Right, so maybe we're biased. You <laughs> yeah, know, take that yeah, with a grain yeah. of salt. But in the same breath that anyone can benefit from therapy, 
what therapy is for some people might differ. Yeah. You know, so anyone can benefit from talk therapy, from finding that right fit in another clinician, but not maybe everyone needs it. Maybe Mm. for some people it's their, you know, highly selective self-care routine. You know, maybe it's exercise. Maybe it's having a really strong support network of friends and family that you can process life with. Um, but I do think that at the end of the day, like that human connection really is vital. And so if you don't have that in other, any other spaces or that that connection isn't non-judgmental, yeah. unconditionally positive in the regard yeah. for each other and built on empathy. Well, no baggage too, right? There's mm. like no outside baggage in a therapeutic mm-hmm. relationship. Like it's just like, it's mm-hmm. almost like a, a third party yeah. person. And also I'm so much of the mindset now of like mental health is just as important as a physical like Mm -hmm. if you like my mom and I were talking about this the other day like if you for some reason like cut your finger would Mm -hmm. you go see like your friend who's in first year medical (laughs) school like they'd probably be okay but like maybe you shouldn't or like you know your Mm -hmm. arm is cut off like you should probably go see a surgeon right or a doctor like an actual doctor who's Mm -hmm. like like and if you're like sure friends can help with problems that you're going through but seeing someone that is professional and Mm -hmm. has gone through something like education and experience Mm -hmm. is very experienced is I don't know vital I think yeah I would agree I mean there's a reason that you know for those of you who don't know the process of becoming a licensed professional counselor oh what a transition oh well (laughs) (laughs) um you know it's you know four years of undergrad you know Mm -hmm. getting your bachelor's degree and then depending on the program you're going to it's you know typically 60 credit hours of graduate school so that's two to three years or longer depending on how fast it takes you then after that there's residency so Mm -hmm. depending on the state you're in depend you know different you know requirements but for virginia that's you know, 3,600 hours, 2,000 of which are direct client hours while under supervision, and then taking this giant exam Mm. at some point in it. Which 3,600 usually takes like three years, if I'm not mistaken, two years. So it depends on how quickly you're getting through it. For those of us who might have been working a little bit more than 40-hour work weeks (laughs) during residency, I, I, for me, in Virginia, the soonest you can get it done is 21 months, and I finished in 21 months. That was, that was a time, yeah. um, but you we're know, past it. Whew, yeah, we're through that. <laughs> um, but all of that, all those experiences are meant to be intentional in your education mm. and being able to provide these services to people and to learn how to create that space that's intentional for this purpose it's different than you know going to grab coffee with a friend and yes you can talk over life things and i do that with great therapeutic benefit um with some of my other friends but there's something different about the intention of going to therapy Mm -hmm. and what that means like kind of the mindset you bring to it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. are we thinking about it while we're driving or logging into zoom you know what we're going to talk about are there goals that we're working towards are there interventions that were being shared resources Mm. that we're connected with there's just a lot of different I think intention with formal professional therapy yeah yeah oh I love that I love it Mm. um I want to talk a little bit about trauma yes yes (laughs) um because we both of us on a day-to-day work with a lot of clients that Mm -hmm. do have serious trauma and crisis Mm -hmm. um that are work you know, either going through it or have gone through it Mm -hmm. or have experienced something that is out of their hands or Mm -hmm. is, you know, there's a lot of different aspects to a crisis or trauma, but 
also like what we were saying earlier is as of recording this we're the day after the 20th anniversary of 9-11 so mm-hmm. to me that like that's a big crisis trauma yeah. that happened to a lot of people that was um you know something that we couldn't have imagined and yeah. planned for and um but also too even i've seen a lot of people kind of equating it to like very different of course but what we're going through with covid and oh that idea of like collective trauma yeah yeah um something that we're all kind of going through together um i don't know what i just there's not really a question but like talking about like mm-hmm. the way like to process trauma but also mm-hmm. like I don't know what you found even in maybe education or research, just like things, Mm -hmm. you know, trauma is this, I feel like it's something that people, it's almost like a trigger word of like, it has to be like this intense thing. Mm. That makes sense. It has Mm -hmm. to be a nine 11 or a COVID, but it also can be like a day to day Mm -hmm. type thing too. I don't know. Yeah. what I don't know there's a lot in there but what is your thoughts yeah, on all yeah. of this <laughs> no I, I mean just this as a topic I think is so important and yeah. I'm really grateful to have like this space to be able to talk about this um I know for myself you know I'm standing on the shoulders of all the people who've come before me so just kind of mm-hmm. getting into this I really want to mention a couple of books and mm-hmm. authors who have really shaped my view on trauma and trauma recovery so um, Bessel van der Kolk, he wrote The Body Keeps the Score, um, just a transformational mm-hmm. book. Um, Peter Levine with, um, uh, blanking exactly in this moment, but I think it's Awaking the Tiger is the name of, of his okay. book. Um, the Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog is another phenomenal resource. Um, I'm not very mm-hmm. good at connecting names of books <laughs> and That's authors, right. but you know, there's, there's just so much research out there. Yeah. And so being a professional, I consume a lot of research and mm-hmm. literature on the topic of trauma. And then of course, in our work, we mm-hmm. work with it, work through it. Um, so what we know about trauma is just how much it impacts us, not only you know, mentally, mm-hmm. but physiologically, you right. know, depending on how old we are, the circumstances of the trauma, it can really shape our development, both mm-hmm. physically, mentally, and structurally in the brain. Yeah. Um, and so whenever we are talking about trauma, I always want to really connect it with how it is felt in our body. You know, those are things, mm-hmm. even if we're moved past it, you know, trauma is stored in different ways. And so as we work through trauma, we want to be sensitive to community healing, to body movement, as well as to that traditional kind of talk therapy that, mm-hmm. that we talk about. Um, so when it comes to these like mass traumatic events, you know, it impacts people at a very, very deep level, not only the people who are on the ground and impacted, but also people witnessing this, you know, this yeah. kind of shakes that sort of, you know, relational connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it shakes community, I think we can also be reconnected through community, understanding that other people are going through similar things. We can connect with them and heal with them. Yeah. Um, you know, trauma, I think, seeks to disconnect us and disrupt us at the neurological and relational level. Mm. So anytime that we can say, okay, I recognize what's going on here, either in my past experiences, if this is something that you've experienced trauma throughout your life, and then finding ways to find the courage to trust others again, to find that healing, Mm. because that can Mm. be so challenging. Yeah. Um, 
but you know trauma really is healed in connection with others and Mm -hmm. so i think that's where support groups can be so helpful finding that you know trauma-informed therapist who understands how to work through this is so helpful Mm -hmm. and then outside of like that professional space you know being in nature moving your body connecting with safe people Mm. is so transformational and important in the process. And it's a process. There's no destination. There's no, yeah. okay, now we're fully healed. Yeah. You know, there's never going to well, be Well, it's like that. grief. Like it never really yep. goes away, right? It's yep. something you experience every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, I don't know. I'm just, I, I, maybe it's the anniversary of 9-11 or mm-hmm. maybe it's, you know, things we've been going. I mean, COVID has been a crazy time of trauma for a myriad of reasons Mm -hmm. for a lot of different people. I mean, specifically, of course, the people that have lost people with it. Mm -hmm. But um, I've just been thinking a lot about like how we process trauma, how Mm -hmm. we, you know, how we've even from a big event that happened 20 years ago, how do we Mm -hmm. still, you know, I was watching a documentary about 9-11 about these kids that were in like fifth grade now and they were learning about it Mm -hmm. and how they even they process it like how this big event like they weren't alive they weren't even a thought Mm -hmm. back then like how did they even process this like horrible tragedy that happened to Mm -hmm. our country but even you know retrospectively kind of I don't know it's all this these like things that I've been thinking about recently but yeah because I think this I brings up a very specific experience of trauma Mm -hmm. of you know that as I think I mentioned before, like that collective trauma, like we are a witness to Mm. um, some really horrific things Mm. and, and what that means because very often traumas shape our perception of the world around us. It rocks how we might view things or Mm. people around us. And when you have something like this, you know, we were both very young when 9-11 happened, you know, being that we're both in our mid twenties, we were, in elementary school kindergarten kind of ages and so it I think as you mentioned can mean different things for different people depending Mm -hmm. on where they are in their development and 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 how that shapes how they view the world Mm -hmm. you know I don't know about you but especially growing up outside of DC yeah the idea was okay well maybe the world's not safe Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like we need to be careful we need to watch out for ourselves and, and I think that's a very natural response to traumatic events. Right. Okay, well, now things aren't safe. Yeah. And so being able to find the courage to reclaim your safety, mm-hmm. um, to find safe people, safe thoughts, safe ways of being, things that bring about an ease, a joy, mm-hmm. is very radical in reclaiming yeah. our healing, but so important, I think. Yeah. Um, because it, it does. It just shapes so much of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So much that you don't even really aren't aware of, too. Yeah. Um, and, too, even looking at, I remember learning in, about just crisis and trauma mm-hmm. in general and how there's so many, like, there can be, like, developmental crisis mm-hmm. in your life. There can be, you know, a, a, you know, even a car accident, of course. Like, yeah. these things that, like, aren't these big global things. Yeah. But then even on a day-to-day, we can experience trauma from, like, you know, mm-hmm. a friend, not like a falling out of a friendship, like that can be a trauma. Right. Like, like if that's that your you person. you don't even really think about. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think also as, as we kind of were talking, just how excited I am with where the mental health field is going. It's, mm. it's becoming increasingly more trauma informed. And that definition of trauma has broadened, yeah. you know, it's um, not just abuse, like childhood abuse or 
these natural disasters that are happening, but also relational traumas, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. were we related to with love and kindness and empathy growing up, you know, did our parents have the tools and the skills to be intentional in raising us in a way that truly honors our development and you know, allows us to be maybe optimal in our functioning. Um, I don't think many of us can say yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the world, Mm -hmm. but just knowing like how these things can impact us and, and viewing them sometimes without judgment that these things happen, that life does happen Mm. and hurts and wounds and traumas happen. Mm. And still we are resilient Mm. as people because we find ways of making meaning and growth out of hardship there's this great new movement in you know post-traumatic growth mm-hmm. not just post-traumatic stress ptsd yeah. Yeah. as we're used to seeing it but yeah. how hurts and wounds and hardships mm-hmm. you know how there is that possibility of being able to say okay i see how much hurt there can be mm-hmm. and let me grow from this mm-hmm. and hopefully not be someone who inflicts this on others yeah. well and it's not something that just like someone that went into war is going Mm. through it's like Mm -hmm. something that someone on a Mm day-to-day basis can can also have and 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 experience as well yeah yeah you know our service members um first responders i think we're really on the front lines not only of traumatic events Mm. but also on how we have come to understand research and the biology of trauma. And you're right. I think for a long time it was like, oh, well, our servicemen and women, you know, oh, they're the ones who can get PTSD. But right. it's it's not like I can from the way I was raised, right? Yeah. yeah. No, no. We're finding mm. that that's not the case. Mm. That, you know, the things that we wouldn't maybe think of as that trauma 30 mm. years ago we're recognizing has similar impact mm on everything we were just mm-hmm. talking about, how we view the world, how our body feels safety, yeah. brain structures, you know, mm-hmm. and and how also like those childhood traumas put you at a greater risk for experiencing later traumatic events yeah. Um, yeah. and developing something like PTSD, that yeah. post-traumatic stress disorder. When yeah. it well, impacts. unfortunately, and again, another topic we could probably talk about for another hour. Oh, for is sure. Is like <laughs> inflicting it in, like kind of keeping the, gen- mm-hmm. the cycle of it, mm-hmm. of like, you know, generational trauma yeah. or, you know, it, uh, give it, passing it on to your children mm-hmm. and then the next, and then the next, like mm-hmm. it just kind of keeps going. And, and hopefully we're continuing to see, like we've been talking about, like a place now in, you know, there are a lot of good things in social media mm-hmm. with, with mental health. There's a lot of bad stuff too, but, mm-hmm. um, and also, you know, media in general, which is another thing we could also talk about, but the conversation of mental health is in such a different place than it was. Yeah. 10 15 years ago even that um hopefully we're in at this place where you know yes i can you know ask for help or Mm -hmm. or you know um process my my ptsd or or whatever it is you have yeah yeah and and also on the topic of you know access like accessibility to mental health or to social media that you know we can see that there are things that are different this doesn't have to be the way that we are feeling yeah. or the way yeah. we relate to other people. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. it's probably one of the, the better sides of social yeah. media of all yeah. the things. Yeah. Um, but you know, <laughs> a powerful way of connecting or disconnecting mm, depending on mm-hmm. intent. Yeah. Is it exciting for you? Like, do you ever think about, um, 
like maybe if you were starting at a time like in the 90s or mm. like in like in the 80s where like mental health was such a different conversation like it must be exciting to be starting as a licensed therapist now mm-hmm. at a time where it's like s- such I mean there are stigmas around it anywhere mm-hmm. you go to, especially depending on where you are in the country right. but um and where you've come from right. but I I don't know do you ever think about like oh I wonder if I st- if I started and and I'm just you know still you know, continuing my career now, how diff like how much things would be different. That's a great point. You know, they're definitely, you know, reading some of those books I mentioned, I'm like, Oh, if only I was there, if I was in mm. this research lab or, you know, I was doing yeah, this yeah, yeah. study, like, could I have been on the forefront of making this breakthrough? And, and I, I have that thought for a moment, but then you think of sometimes the delay between research and understanding and implementation. Mm. You know, a lot of what we know about trauma, we've, we've known for a few decades now, but how that becomes implemented in schools, in, um, you know, right. like corrections, you know, like mm. law enforcement kind of stuff, in just even public understanding, mm. there's often a delay there. And so yeah. I think what I'm very excited about is also just societal consciousness becoming more aware of it yeah. to be able to reach out and access it or to have these kinds of conversations just in mm. their normal lives. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think maybe even with people our age, mm. like it's just more of a, you know, even friends that aren't in mental health, you know, that are seeking therapy. It's like, well, how are you doing? Like we're mm-hmm. intentionally asking each other, like, how are we doing? And mm-hmm. I think, even maybe the elder millennial generation mm. is like a little more aware about it too. Maybe that's just me being naive about it, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic and that's also the kind of person I am too. So, <laughs> right. Right. Definitely optimism. I think is the word that describes yeah, you very well. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm, I, I'm wondering too, now that you're at this place of, you know, just starting out, but having gone through so much of the, education and the experience side of it you know actually seeing clients the past couple years Mm -hmm. but like what advice do you have for people maybe wanting to get into the field maybe it's not even like counseling data you know Mm because to me I mean maybe this is just my experience but counseling is much more kind of like an office job like you do you can make it much mm. more of like a nine to five type, like it's kind of a general type of office job where there's other facets of mental health mm-hmm. where it's not like that. Right. But uh, anyway, there's what advice do you have? Maybe it's just general mental health or maybe it's specifically what you're doing. I don't know. There's a lot in there, but yeah, no, I would, I would really see where you can connect with others who are in a place that you want to be. Mm. You know, I'm forever grateful for not only like the mentors I had in graduate school yeah. um, and in undergrad, but also like when I was starting to think about, okay, I think I want to get into this helping profession. You know, I, I spoke with some people who were, you know, like licensed clinical social workers mm. or who worked in schools. And then, you know, once you kind of connect with some people who are doing what you're interested in, hear about their journey, hear mm. about what experience they had that they think shaped them. I know for me, um, I worked at a psychiatric hospital, so not yeah. a nine to five office yeah. job yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but there was so much learning that happened mm. there for me. Um, and a greater appreciation for all the different facets that go into yeah. mental health care. Um, 
you know, there's different community services boards, there's different mentorship programs. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're young and maybe in high school and kind of thinking about this, you know, peer to peer mentoring is, Mm -hmm. is still something that's possible. You know, find ways of being able to connect with others in whatever way that looks like. Yeah. Again, take a shot for every time we say connect on this episode, yeah, right. <laughs> like like a couple episodes um, before this one. We, yeah, connection is kind of a big theme of the podcast, I feel like. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, for me, connect passion project yes. here, um, you know, connection is my passion. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's where I get excited, not only yeah. connecting with others, but helping others mm. connect within their mm. community or family or friendships yeah. Yeah. more authentically. Yeah. What do you think are like the biggest misconceptions of being a like the counseling field? Oh, that's <laughs> a great question. Um, I think there's quite a few. I, I think there's, you know, the one misconception of, you know, what is this even going to do for me? Why wouldn't I just like talk to a friend? There's mm. also kind of the opposite in that same kind of vein of, you know, black or white thinking like, oh, well, this is going to cure me or fix me. And, um, you know, for both of those, I'm, I'm always, anytime there's like a should or like this all or nothing kind of thinking, I'm always a little bit wary. Let's, Mm. let's challenge that. So with the, you know, why would I even do this? It's like, well, let's see what's possible, you Mm. know? Mm -hmm. And then with the, you know, this is going to cure or fix me, you know, that implies a brokenness that I don't think needs to be applied to ourselves Mm. or to others. Um, We're all deeply human and that comes sometimes with some deeply human wounding that Mm. we can grow from, we can learn Mm. from, we can build awareness of, but that doesn't mean a cure, a fix um, that you might imply. Mm. Um, I think there's also some different misconceptions of therapists themselves, Yeah, you know, of being, uh, you know, white men in their sixties sitting on a couch. (laughs) So tell me about your childhood and, you know, laying down and (laughs) right. Right. And, and I think what's really cool about the future of mental health is more authenticity in the Mm practitioner themselves Mm -hmm. um i always encourage people shop around for your therapist just like you would a hairdresser or you know your favorite podcaster Mm -hmm. like find Mm -hmm. what you connect with find who you really want to spend that time with and invest not only that emotional energy but also for a lot of people that financial part of it you know there there sometimes can be an expense for people in Mm. seeking this um that's hope hopefully something that will change. I hope there does become more accessibility. Um, But I think, you know, finding ways of making it accessible also kind of dispels that misconception that it, it's not something that everyone can Mm. benefit from Mm. or access. Yeah. And to that too, like, you know, I, I definitely tell people like, yeah, do not, you know, it's not a one and done. Yeah. Like, oh, I went to this one <laughs> person for a couple, even if it's like two sessions mm-hmm. or two weeks and yeah, I just didn't, you know, it wasn't the right fit. Okay. Well then try someone else. Like right. really take that. I know it, it's because you do put in a lot of energy and it mm-hmm. is hard to, um, you know, spill out your guts basically mm-hmm. to some random person, but once you find mm-hmm. the connection, mm-hmm. LOL. Right. Um, that, uh, let's be taking shots of water yeah, guys right, at this right. point. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Calm down, calm down. Drink responsibly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's, it can be like light bulb moments. It can yeah. be, yeah. So beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, in my experience at least. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. 
I would agree. You know, yeah. that's probably why I do what I do. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's why we're here. That's why mm-hmm. we're here. Yeah. Connecting. Yes. Oh, I'm trying to keep you guys hydrated. Look at us connecting. Oh my <laughs> gosh. We're connecting so much. We're connecting so hard right now. Like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> uh, well, of course, all the listeners know Lauren, mm-hmm. uh, Lauren Lee. I'm just going right. to, I'm going to call you Lauren Lee now from that. Like, I feel like I'm up? in trouble. This what's is up, bringing me L-L. back. <laughs> Double L. Uh, of course, all my listeners know mm-hmm. at the end of the show, I do like to ask every guest two mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. The first one being, if I was able to hand you a blank check, maybe not, not right now, but maybe, <laughs> maybe someday mm-hmm. and say, use this toward your passion. How would you use that? Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Um, and I find myself really oscillating between a lot of different possibilities. I think something that's been present with me as you asked me that question is being able to give more people access Mm. to the profession of mental health, um, both in terms of like different training opportunities as well as clients getting services. Mm. Um, I'm wondering how big this blank check would be. Um, (laughs) It's open-ended. It's huge. It's huge. But being able to give more scholarships to people seeking out this profession. You know, Mm. there is an expense with graduate school and residency and often unpaid internships. Mm. So giving dedicated, compassionate, transformative people the ability to access this field and then transform the lives of everyone that they would touch, I think has a profound impact. And then also being able to give, you know, different kinds of scholarships for people to access services. Mm. They're unfortunately with, with healthcare not being, um, accessible maybe for everyone or even co-pays having a cost to them. Not everyone has the ability to yeah. access therapy. Yeah. Um, so that would definitely be something. Um, I'm also so interested in sharing resources with others. I would um, really love to be able to give people access mm. to the things that I've gotten to have access to, to different reading materials or workbooks or mm. um, different training opportunities. Mm. You know, I think the more we can expand the professional's wheelhouse, the more it's going to impact clients' outcomes. Mm-hmm. Or even, I'm sure, the knowledge yeah. that perf- that the that clientele can gain, mm-hmm. too. Like, the more knowledge they'll have, the hopefully better they'll be able to help themselves. Yeah, I mean, bringing it back goal. to lifelong learning, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I love that, I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of things in there that I also, you know, probably would do, so mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, and then the second question, of course, is what is something that you're loving right now or multiple things? It can yeah. be a lot of, you know, it can be whatever you want. You, this is very open-ended. Yeah. So being where I am now, um, as being someone who's licensed, recently licensed as a professional counselor, I'm really loving kind of the groove I'm finding with mm. a lot of my clients now. Some of them I've been working with for the past two or three years. Some of them I've been working with the past three weeks. And I just feel like, okay, I've done mm. the studying for that. <laughs> There's yeah. the NCMHCE um, is the exam we use in Virginia. <laughs> so I'm done studying for that. And, you know, I'm really loving connecting with my clients. Mm. I feel like I've found this energy and this connection, bringing it back to that <laughs> word here. <laughs> there it is. Um, that really just inspires me in this work, you know. Mm. I think it was even just last Thursday, I was in the office and I had this amazing session and I just, you know, walked them out and I sat in my office and I'm like, wow, 
Like I get to be the safe place for a person who doesn't have many safe places. Like what an honor it is Mm. to sit with someone in hardship and joys. And I don't always get to see the process, the full process of people, but just knowing I had this moment, Mm. this connection, this intentional awareness of each other, Mm. you know, is something I'm so grateful for and something I'm so honored by. Yeah. It's like, in any profession, the height of what it can be. Like, mm-hmm. this is the thing that with the sole reason why you got into this, mm-hmm. like when it's, when you have those days, it's like, mm-hmm. wow, I guess, you know, that you can ride that, that wave until, yeah. you know, the next month, I guess. Yeah. I mean, cause it's not every day. It's not every <laughs> yeah. day, you know, yeah. life is messy and, and mm. therapy is messy and it's, yeah. it's not linear. It's not like each week's going to be better than the next. It's mm. complicated. And yeah. so, you know, even in that complication, you know, if, I think coming back to the idea, like if you know you found a good therapist is even if you're making breakthroughs or not, because every week's not going to be breakthroughs. Right. But right. if you feel heard and valued and connected mm. with, that's a good sign. And mm. um, that's always something I strive for in each of my sessions. Okay. Maybe we're not solving world crises here, but yeah, yeah. you know, if we can find this moment where we yeah. can be fully present with each other, mm. I, th- I think there's something special. Yeah, which there. we don't get all the time, yeah. right? Like we, bec- again, technology and mm-hmm. work and life and stress, mm-hmm. like all these things, like we cannot often like just sit and listen and be present. So yeah. Yeah. and fully present, like being able yeah. to truly connect in that yeah. moment. Yeah. yeah, for sure, for sure. Which is, I think, what's so special about this right now. <laughs> you know, being able Thanks. to be in the same room and yeah. having these conversations. Yeah. And having mm-hmm. them, which we haven't had the past, yeah. you know, almost two years, which is even crazy mm-hmm. to think about um, all of that. Which you know we can talk about for <laughs> for forever. <laughs> for forever. Uh, well, I also answer this because you know. My show and I can do what I want, um, <laughs> but, and I want to hear it. So. Yeah, you know, uh, I love ending the show on a fun, positive note too. But I, I'm loving a lot of things. I mean, by the time this this recording comes out, I mean we'll be closer to fall. So mm-hmm. I'm super excited for fall. I'm just over this hot weather. Um, I'm loving my dog. Love that. Mm-hmm. But I also want to shout out. So I've recently been getting back into um, this album. It's by a band called uh, A Great Big World. Mm. Don't know if you know them. They had a hit a couple of years ago called Say Something. Mm. Um, you know, Say Something, I'm Giving Up. You know that one with yeah. Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Um, but they had an album. That song is on the album called Is Anybody Out There? Um, came out a while ago in 2014. So it's been out. I, I, I've loved it you know, when I think I found it like maybe around when it came out. Um, but I recently just have been getting back into it and it's so good. Like, uh, like it's one of those albums, like every song is good. Mm. Like it's, it's just so fun to listen, listen to. So I've been loving that. Um, and I recently, I want to also recommend this show on Netflix. I've been watching called clickbait. Have you heard of this? I have. I just started it last night and I'm almost done. (laughs) That is my list. Um, you know, with, my wife being in medical school, it's, you know, I do a lot of laundry and dishes and, and, you know, <laughs> cooking and cleaning and all these fun things mm-hmm. that I lo- enjoy doing, but I also consume, you know, podcast or TV or whatever it is while I'm doing that. So, um, yeah, I've been watching the show and it's super, um, fast paced and interesting and, but also get into the minutia of, you know, there is this kind of trauma that happens in the mm. show, but also, 
um, looking at it from different people's perspectives is, is fascinating. Um, and there's just a lot of juicy drama in it too. So everyone check that out. It's great. Thanks for the <laughs> rec. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, well, Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time again. Be, it's so like we were saying, like being in person mm-hmm. and like doing this. I, I, again, I love the opportunities that I get to have doing things virtually, but if I could do this show, you know, every week, in person it would like be such a wonderful thing so thank you for taking the time and, and doing this today thanks for having me and letting me spend some time with you and your dog here in oh, your home. lovely lovely uh you guys know the drill follow us on social media passionproject.pod facebook twitter instagram you also can support the show if you guys want to if you have the means to i'd greatly appreciate it but um yeah thank you again And we will see you guys next time.